cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record hope got Good day and welcome to another episode of Culper's Canteen Cup. Today we're on, uh, what, episode 33. Uh, again, just want to thank Carlton Zeus for that fantastic intro music. Check him out at Apple Music, uh, www.carltonzeus.com. We're actually, uh, for you YouTube viewers out there, you know, we were, we were carrying on conversation and so we're just kind of going to dovetail that right into our, our podcast here. But Josh was talking about our Facebook things. They're really starting to piss me off because it's the... And, and I gave Luke, I think we both gave Luke shit, you know, about this a uh, couple months ago when he was talking about publishing rights and this and that, and, and, I, and I wasn't very educated on it, but it's, it's, you know, basically they're held liable for what they publish. And, and now you got the election season coming up and now they, and I think we brought this up a couple of times, but we can't even boost our posts anymore because they consider Culper's Canteen Cup and the 14 followers that we have half of them being overseas, that we are what? We were involved in social issues and politics and could sway an election. Okay, so they are giving us a lot more credibility. Uh, they clearly are not seeing the chartable stats that I'm seeing on, on, our, on our listeners and our viewers. But what's the latest deal, Josh? So we've been trying to, we've been trying to get approval to boost our posts for, what, two months now? So where, where are we at now? Yeah, so... <laughs> I, so I had so there's a three-step process, right? So you have to verify your identity, you have to verify an address, and um, there was one other thing to it, right? So I had to, you know, request that they mail me a code, right? So you know the little code that they'd be like, oh, we'll text you a code to your phone, then you input it for like, you know, two-factor authentication type right. stuff. Um, so I had to wait for them to no shit Facebook from Leno Park, California, to actually snail mail me a code to my address and so that took a week and so you put the code in it's like okay now verify your identity so you've got to submit you know some type of federal id right so you got to submit a driver's license uh a passport um or there's one other there's one other thing on the list i can't remember what it was so i submitted my driver's license first my driver's license came back and they said well it's not real id compliant and like, <laughs> okay. So, and then it was like, I resubmitted and they're like, well, there's a little bit of a glare on oh, it. Oh, Jesus. So I just resubmitted it yesterday. And so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what it comes back with. But apparently between the three of us, we can't this figure this out. This is becoming like an insurance company claim where it's like, Hey, the first time, you know, first three times they submit, just deny it. Just deny it. Just make them do yeah. it again. Because I think now they're coming up and, and I only caught tidbits of this. Maybe you heard more of it, Luke, but it's the, uh, they're saying like within a certain amount of time before the election, they're not going to allow any new ads to run because there's no time to quote unquote fact check and take it off and whatever. What is that? 10 days you said, Josh? Yeah. 10 days. Yeah. That, I heard that. Well, we'll see. We'll see how that works out for them. As far as like submitting actual political ads, that's not going to stop um, the manipulation that's going to take place on, on both sides, you know, on Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff, the bots and all that thing. We joke about it and everything, but, but it is out there. It is happening. Um, is it, was it just this particular post we are trying no. to boost or is it boosting our in general? Last, it is boosting in general. two posts, uh, they wouldn't allow us to boost because, so basically the categories that they, they label that you have to have identification for and confirmation, yada, 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 it pretty much covers every topic in, in the fucking world. So I don't know how anybody's boosting anything anymore because they're like social issues, elections, politics, and something else. So, they, okay, so you basically just covered 99% of 
you know, what's the, what's discussed out there. So it just seems to me, it's like, heck, if you, if you take a picture of your license and it's got your accurate address that you're, you're claiming that you live at, it seems to me, you know, in this digital world that that would be good enough. Right. Now, what will be really interesting is a few days before the election, if they start throttling or just outright not letting the president tweet or make Facebook posts, you know, that that will be interesting because if they consider that a political ad, I, I don't think they will. We'll see. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they just said, well, we got to suspend this account for a few days. It won't surprise and, me at and all. And, you know, at first, you know, again, I, I was kind of, I, I just didn't know enough about the whole publishing thing or whatever the stuff that you were talking about. Now I'm kind of getting more and more on it because I didn't realize till today when I was listening to, uh, uh, it was one of the news outlets, I think it was Fox News this morning, and I was listening to, I didn't realize the amount of ties from or to Twitter and the Biden or is it the Harris administration? I can't remember which one it is, but whatever administration is going to run for the Democrats, uh, they're like, yeah, the and it's some weird fucking title, man. It's like, yeah, the uh, socially socially acceptable, you know, chief officer such and such for Twitter who determines what can and can't be posted. Oh, yeah. He's now on the Biden transition team. I was like, what? And then, uh, you know, yeah. there's another person there at Facebook that uh, worked, you know, for Kamala Harris before he or she went to to that position. And they're like, hey, there are actually four or five key positions that are leadership positions that uh, are directly tied to, to Biden and Harris. And so now, you know, at first, because I was like, eh, you know, I mean, because it's like us, you know, Intel guys are like, oh, we're spying on everybody. It's like, you can't possibly listen to everything. There's just too much data out there. And so at first, when all this was being said, I'm like, you know what? I get it. They got their algorithms and there are just as many hiccups left and right, uh, you know, across the board. It's probably pretty even compared to the percentage of, of those folks that use it. But now you start seeing that. I'm just kind of like, man, you know, I, I don't want to be a black helicopter guy, but it's like, uh, I think there might be a lot to that. And then, like you said, what happens? What's the recourse if you get down within like three days and then you just start banning stuff, right? You start banning it. Uh, yeah, you can you can file suit and this and that. But after that, the fucking election's over. It's done. Hey, good luck in, you know, 2024. You know, it's, we got some good news for the canteeners out there, I guess. Well, yeah, good news for the canteeners since you're first loyal listeners. I think our audience may grow in the future because apparently, you know, everybody heard about Joe Rogan, most popular podcast in the world. Uh, Maybe we can get into his offer to host a debate (laughs) between Trump and Biden later because that's an interesting topic in and of itself. But I was, I was a big fan of Joe Rogan. Um, I'm on the fence right now, but he, he signed a huge contract and went uh, over to Spotify. Mm-hmm. So they own, they kind of own the rights to Joe Rogan publishing his podcast now. So if Joe Rogan, uh, well, the first, the first thing is when he transferred over and they transferred all those podcasts over to Spotify, all these podcasts are still available on iTunes and YouTube. But when they transferred them over to Spotify, they took a few off that, that are not are not available on on uh, Spotify. I think it was Alex Jones, uh, Gavin McInnes, and there were I think Jordan Peterson's daughter was on there. They just flat out did not put those on the platform, and that's their right to do that. And I, I kind of lost a lot of respect for Joe Rogan for not putting that in his contract that all of my stuff goes on Spotify. And then so you do a little bit more digging as to why that happened is because Spotify corporate 
circulated some kind of feel good, you know, study saying, Hey, you know, how do you feel about Joe Rogan? A lot of the employees at Spotify said, we're not comfortable with certain content. So they took those few out. So now Joe Rogan, get to my point about how uh, this is good news for us. He put out a tweet about an hour ago, uh, retracting something he said on a Spotify podcast, basically saying, Hey, I said this, it wasn't necessarily accurate. It was about the fires in Portland. And he, he quoted a story or he said a story he had heard, which he does all the time on his show. And I guess he just got a lot of flack from his new masters. And he put out a tweet apologizing for it. He's never done that before. So now he's a journalist who has to fact check all his stuff, but he's not going to do as Spotify is. So what, what people loved about Joe Rogan was, I mean, it was a no nonsense. I think everybody kind of related to the guy. He was socially liberal. He was conservative on a lot of issues, big second amendment guy. So he was like kind of right there in the middle. That's a voice we could all go to and say, you know what? I don't agree with everything Joe Rogan says, but I'm going to listen to him because he asked some interesting, engaging questions and there were no holds barred. Now there are because his corporate masters are forcing him to, uh, to be more politically correct and be like a journalist, fact check. You know what this is, right? So he's going to start losing this, listeners. This is Howard Stern 2.0, right? Yeah, we absolutely. Absolutely from right. public radio to yeah. now the premium services. And that's why Howard Stern went to Sirius XM. And, yep. you know, I mean, yeah, I get it. The whole, you know, principles and the fundamentals of the Joe Rogan show and, 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 and what his show is really based on. But, you know, then there's also the side where, hey, man, it's a fuck ton of money. I mean, how big was that contract? Anybody know? Oh, it was 30-something uh, million or something like that. It was so huge. So let me go but- ahead and put it out there for our listeners, which, by the way, we are now on Amazon Podcast. So for the 16 people that actually sup- uh, subscribe to Amazon Music, uh, we are now on Amazon Podcast. I think we're one of the first on there. But I'm just letting you know right now, somebody offers us $30 million uh, for this show, <laughs> I will say whatever the fuck you want me to say. See, Roger stole my thunder there. I was going to say that, uh, I was going to say, you know, he's going to start losing listeners, but we can assure uh, our loyal listeners and the ones of the future, we will say, we're going to, we're going to be no holds barred and we're going to keep it going until someone offers us a fat contract. And then all of you can go, eh. no, I'm Maybe we take donations, we'll right? We take donations and it's yeah. like, hey, you pay us five bucks and we'll, for you get like a 60 second spot. We'll say whatever the fuck you want us to say. For like 60 seconds, $5, I'll <laughs> uh, say whatever you want us to say. I don't care. No shame. But we can't do it till January. Well, if, if, our, if, our, if our listener base keeps growing like it's growing, we might get offered a contract in maybe tw- the year 2356, if my numbers are right. So, man, we just got to we gotta stay alive. After they get done counting the mail-in ballots from this year's election. So, yeah, that'll be like <laughs> 200 years, 300 years, give or take, something like that. Good Lord, oh. really get so lucky. And, you know, I did, I did want to bring this up. So there is a, a public service announcement. So I got a couple of things. So, I, you know, everybody knows that, you know, I talked about it last time. We went, I went to Vegas and, you know, I made the joke that, well, here's the thing. I was out on Fremont Street. I'm now past my, I think I'm past my 14 days now. Yeah. So everybody can go fuck themselves. The, you're going to wear a mask or you're going <laughs> to die and, you know, you're going to catch COVID. You're going to, so I do not know how there are not 5,000 people a day catching, contracting, and then dying in Vegas from COVID-19. I don't fucking get it. You know, out of, and I posted the picture up there to, to Josh and Luke. So of all the fucking that, you know, and it was, it was kind of a little freaky because that was the first time since this whole thing's happened that I was around a crowd that big. And I actually looked over to my wife and my neighbors like, 
if we're going to catch COVID, this is where it fucking happens. And everybody's like, yep, this, this is it. And uh, so now I'm beyond the 14 days. I'm still here, uh, which is why the YouTubers, you'll see all three of us versus, uh, well, Luke and Josh, I think they were hoping <laughs> I was going to catch the vid so they could, uh, you know, suck up some more bandwidth and airtime. But then they quickly realized, That's how we push yeah, you out. so you can push me out, but then you quickly realize you, you wouldn't have a producer, but, uh, I'm still here. So now I think the, uh, you know, I, I thought a lot of it was bullshit to begin with, but it's even bigger than that. Uh, but Yale, and I, I posted this earlier on our Twitter account, Yale did put out some, uh, you know, a public service announcement. So, uh, just want to read this out real quick. Cause I know this will pertain to a lot of you. So rimming or any sexual activity that involves putting your mouth on the anus might spread COVID-19 <sighs> virus and feces may God. enter your mouth and potentially cause an infection. Consider pressing pause for now. That is no shit. Hey, so your tax dollars, hey, your quick. tax dollars. Well, I'm assuming they get tax dollars, right? Yale. I don't, I don't know, but real quick, sorry, mom. Sorry, Luke's mom. Uh, that's you probably should have prefaced that. Sorry. Right, you you already know that when you're listening to the show, I mean, I don't have to worry about it because my mom doesn't listen anymore. You know, I, you know, and I asked her, I was like, mom, are you listening to the show? She's like, oh, I don't listen to that trash. And I'm like, really, mom? I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord so anybody oh. i don't know if uh what's that go ahead so i don't know if yeah i don't know if yale receives uh federal tax dollars but i know princeton does and princeton uh <laughs> princeton knows for a fact now they receive federal yes. tax dollars <laughs> you see that 4d chest from the department of education yes. oh i go ahead, recap love that it for dude us. i love it so the Princeton president, because, you know, because virtue signaling, signaling and uh, everything is in vogue right now. And uh, so the Princeton president came out and said that, you know, the Princeton is just racism is embedded, embedded, you know, within the very fibers of the institution. And so the Department of Education said that's that's not going to stand. We are not, we are not going to allow that. Not on our watch. So what we're going to do, Princeton, since it is embedded in your institution by your own admission, you receive federal tax dollars and discriminating against people based upon their race is against federal law. Shockingly enough. Right. So for the people out there who don't know that, you know, when they say that, you know, institutional racism within the federal government is actually against the law. There's a law in the books that you cannot discriminate against people because of their race and gender, you know, yada, yada, yada. So the Department of Education is now going to investigate racism at Princeton to ensure that everything is above board and help Princeton root out and and clean their house up from the, the racism that is you know, by their own admission, embedded within the institution. I saw that and I laughed for like five minutes straight. They are so woke. It was absolutely <laughs> they hilarious. They are so woke. Absolutely yeah. hilarious. Hey, man. You know, dude, like, I, I don't know, you, you might have said, you might, we're going to say it, but, you know, that's, that's so, you know, all of this masquerading, you know, this social justice and in, specifically in this case, virtue signaling that shit has consequences but let me tell you how this is going to play out they're <laughs> they're going to do their investigation they're going to say hey you know you got you better fix your problem and all it's going to be is a series of classes that the dumb not dumb i should say the poor <laughs> old janitor is going to have to sit through None of these professors are going to have to sit through it. It's going to be the janitor, the admin people that process paperwork are going to have to sit through stupid classes you know about you know 
unconscious bias. Imagine that. And, you know, I, I can see this making the rounds because I happen to have a very, very good source who sat in a in an unconscious bias class for a major department of the U.S. government just last week. And some similar things were said. This is a systemic problem within our organization. And it's like, hey, you're going to cast stones at yourself? So, yeah, you might be time for an internal review, you know? So I can see this kind of thing taking the rounds, making the rounds. Of the, I like the 40 chess aspect of it. Maybe it'll start calming itself down a little bit, but I doubt it. I don't know. It, it'll probably make people think twice, but, you know, it's it, it's akin, you know, and you brought up the point, you know, it's like the departments come out and say, our department is, you know, rife rife with racism you know it's like Mark, how long you been in charge of that department it, are you racist you know and, but it's akin when you go back and you look at it and you have you know mr joseph biden who signed the 1994 criminal bill right that people have gone back and pointed to a lot of the social justice warriors have gone back and pointed to and saying that that thing is racist and it's at its very core right and you have his vice presidential running mate Kamala who enforced that law when she was the attorney general of California when she fucking put she put more black guys black males in prison based on shoddy evidence Dude, that Michael Jackson touched kids. Like, I mean, it was like she was locking people up left and right based on that law, right? So not only do you have the guy who wrote the law, you have the lady who enforced the law that people are saying is systemically racist, but I have to vote for them to end systemic racism. You're a fucking clown. You're a fucking clown. That's all you are. All you people voting for Biden out there and Kamala, you're fucking clowns. I think at this point we can we can agree that I mean the Biden campaign is a joke. I mean, first of all, we had Barry in office for eight years. So are they saying that there was no systemic racism for eight years, and all of a sudden the last three years or four years we've we've got systemic racism? No, that was when mm-hmm. Barry was in office and Joe was the vice president, right? So you have the most powerful and second most powerful people in the free world. They couldn't get anything done because there was this deep racist underbelly to Washington, D.C. that stopped them at every turn. But now when Trump's in office, the deep state is a myth. That's a dude. That's a Q theory. That's a Q conspiracy. That's not that's not real. There's no there's no underbelly in Washington, D.C. That's, you know, trying to protect the establishment. Right? You're fucking crazy. And I do vaguely remember that during his first two years, they actually had a Democratic uh, Democratic control of the Congress. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Strange hours. And by the way, back to our, our, our Yale thing. So this actually pisses me off a little bit. I didn't realize it was that much. 75.3% of Yale's grant and contract income come from the federal government. That's incredible. So for all you listeners out there, that's where your money is going to. That's where your tax dollars are going to is uh, studies on, on rimming and catching, you know, COVID-19. So any of you guys catch, uh, any of you guys catch <sighs> Biden's town hall last night or yesterday? I did not. I, I thought it was, I thought it was tonight. Uh, he did the thing with Anderson <laughs> Cooper and dude, it's, you know, I wouldn't even, you can just imagine. I think I sent you guys the clip on Twitter or whatever. It's like, I don't even know what the, who knows what the guy's saying. When we talk about his campaign, I mean, there's so much – I don't even know where he stands. 
we're banning fracking. No, we're not banning fracking. We have masks. No, we don't have masks. Well, it says I can't do a, a mask mandate. I talked to my lawyers. No, we're not going to lock down. We are going to lock down. And then kind of tying this back into the Twitter stuff, it's like they're running campaign ads that, out there. Like his his latest commercial, he literally says, if President Trump had done his job, all the people would still be alive. So take that at face value. If President Trump had done his job, mm. Not one person, not one smidgen, right? Not one smidgen. Not one person would have died from COVID-19 if he'd have done his job. And then, of course, Biden says, well, you know, when I'm elected, day one, the first thing I'm going to do is is we're going to have tests available to everyone with immediate results. So how the fuck does that happen? Right? I don't get it. So it's like you sit there and, and you're banning so – you, you prevent Culper's Canteen Cup from, from boosting a post, but he can run Twitter ads like that all fucking day long, man. So, I, I, you know, I think you might be gaining a supporter there, Luke, for some of the uh, – you know, for some of the whole publishing thing. And you know, I think you got to work some of that out. And, and I, I guess I was hoping in my heart of hearts that, that a strong competitor would come out. But Hey, if any of you fuck sticks out there are like working for parlor or working with parlor or whatever, they got to get their shit straight. I mean, I think we've given it an honest attempt, right? Over the last week. I mean, we, we given it a fair shot and you know, it's uh, believe it or not, it's, it's a little bit too much of an echo chamber because there's nobody from the left in there. So you're just talking to yourself, but the algorithm, the feeds, uh, they kind of suck. There's no dialogue. That kind of sucks. So it's, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody outside has, you know, some influence with parlor out there, but you know, if you know an exec or something, you might want to get that back to them from, from Culper's Canteen Cup. So on to, it's garbage. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's total garbage On to the, to the town hall. So, you know, there's a couple clips where I don't know if Biden knows where he's at. And obviously they're being criticized now because when Trump did his, uh, you know, town hall, they asked him some pretty straightforward questions. They're pretty difficult. Of course, everybody was fact checking and this and that. And then with, uh, Biden's town hall, you know, they pretty much called it, uh, you know, there was a softball question, softball toss. And I, so check this out. So of the panel of the questions, and this just goes to show you how rigged it is. 16 questions or 16 people, whatever, asked for Biden during that town hall. 13 of them were registered Democrats, Democrat voters, and three were independents and Republican. Right? For Trump's, four were Republican, and the other nine were either Democrats, undecided, you know, third party or whatever. It's like, dude, you can't even make this stuff up anymore. I mean, it's like, Luke, how, how rigged is this whole process with this? I mean, it's Joe has been in the basement, so now he comes out on TV. I mean, don't we have some expectation of the media to kind of like bring this thing back to the middle and provide some type of objective, you know, view questioning? I mean, you know, and, and of course, you know, Anderson Cooper, well, you know, I'm moderator, so, I, you know, I can't fact check. Well, you sure fact check the shit out of Trump when he was doing his on the spot. But, oh, today we can't fact check. I mean, isn't there some responsibility there for, you know, for the media to kind of hold them to a, you know, good Lord, man, get, get some data no, out of, of these course. guys? <clears throat> of course. I tried to mute my little throat clearing right there, producer. Sorry about that. <laughs> totally messed up my time. It's all good. Uh, of course. Of course, there's a. Uh, of course, there's a responsibility of the media. But, I, <laughs> you know, I mean... It's like cognitive dissonance when I, I you know, I, I am getting more into Twitter and I'm, you do get to see the other side in Twitter, which is far better than Facebook. And you don't, it's just light years ahead of parlor. But when, you know, no one wants to address not, not just what you're talking about, Roger, the media, not, not really giving it a fair shake. No one wants to address 
Biden's obvious problems and how obvious it is that this whole thing is just really a charade. That's been my word of the week is charade. The other night, uh, it wasn't the CNN town hall. It was the other one where he was, uh, he was laying out a few things to a room of 20 or so reporters. And I think Josh was watching at the same time. And I'd had a couple of whiskeys in me and I just, I, I was flabbergasted when he started to take questions. I don't know if you guys saw that or not, but it was, very, very obvious. He, when it was time to take questions, he got out this piece of paper and he might as well got his reading glasses on. He's reading off the name, even kind of mispronounced one of them. And then he, okay. Uh, Heather Smith, CNN. And then he'd look over and someone would start talking and he'd look, you know, to where they're actually talking from. And it's like, I mean, is there not going to be just a, a modicum of scrutiny from a mainstream media source on this guy's fitness to be president of the United States. You know, we all talk about the flip flop and 47 years in office and stuff like that, but he's a politician, man. You know, all politicians are like that. So I'm, he's a politician. So I'm willing to give him a pass on being a politician. What I'm not willing to give uh, him a pass on, and this goes out to the American people who are thinking about voting for Biden is to search your heart of hearts and wonder, is this guy capable of leading the nation? Is he capable, not of just of leading the nation, but of being, of being accountable. That's the whole point behind our system of government and most systems of government in the world is accountability. If Iran decides to nuke Tel Aviv, there's a system of accountability there, and you know we know who to blame on that one. It's the same thing with the president. If the president makes a decision, it's his decision. The buck stops here. Joe Biden's not that guy. He is not that guy. Anyone who looks at him and thinks that he's the buck stops with Joe Biden based on how he acts on camera, you're, you're fooling yourself. It's cognitive dissonance. You're seeing what you want to see. I understand people say the same thing about Trump, but I think the results speak for themselves uh, right now. I'll just go off the results. I'm just going to go off the results right now of what Trump has done since he's been in office. And we can talk about that later. Uh, we'll talk about one of them in this podcast. But uh, <laughs> yeah, of course, the media has a responsibility to cover this, but it's just, you know, cover it properly. You know, Walter Cronkite, the hell out of it, but they're just not doing it. And I, I don't also don't see how anybody could say the media is not in the bag for the Democrat Party. It's just it just is. Um, am I off base here, Josh? You're looking at me like I'm off base. I don't know, man. Are you Biden supporter overnight or something? No, man. That's just that's just my face. <laughs> <laughs> no, my parlor account. account right? There you go. So I literally, so I literally, I had to sacrifice my parlor account, you know, to the to the gods to you know just start going off and you know saying some crazy crazy leftist stuff to, to try and get people to you know have a discussion because it is it, it is a true echo chamber it is literally it, it, it's a dumpster fire man it's hot garbage um but you so the cnn town hall yes luke it was last night um and so i don't know if you guys heard joe's answer to one of the actual republicans that they you know put up there uh to ask joe a question but it was about farming right and about the you know when obama and uh, biden were in office and the restrictions that they put on farmers with the clean water act and everything like that so you know so i i have the clip from it it's about 
uh, it's a couple minutes. I want to play it. And I, I really want the people out there who are actually considering voting for Joe Biden. And I want you to think about what his, co- his cognitive state is right now. Right. And so we all we now people are starting to push around. Well, Russia, that's Russian disinformation. Right. His cognitive state and the fact that he may be cognitive in a cognitive decline is, you know, Russian propaganda. OK, well, if that is and if the Russians are physically controlling Joe Biden's brain, like we have bigger problems than we thought we had with the Russians. Right. You can you can say what you want, but it, just listen to the guy talk, right? So this is this is Joe Biden. Uh, real, real real quick clip. I'll uh, we'll play it for you. Uh, this is Julie Mosser Bali from Sacramento, uh, Pennsylvania. She's CFO for her family potato farm, a member of the Pennsylvania Farm Bureau. She's also a Republican who voted for President Trump in 2016. Julie, welcome. Thank you. How are you feeling now, Julie? Um, good evening. Um, Overregulation puts an extreme burden on small and family-owned farms and is a contributing factor to many farms going out of business. Policies during the Obama administration, such as the rules under the Waters of the U.S. Act, threaten to increase that regulation, as does policies proposed through the Green New Deal, which your climate plan embraces. No, it doesn't embrace whole new... Excuse me, uh, if I could finish. I'm sorry. Thank you. I apologize. Uh, How do you plan to decrease the regulatory burden for farmers and businesses as a whole? Two ways. Number one, as farmers, by dealing with you being able to put land in land banks and you get paid to do that, to provide for more open space and provide for the ability of you to be able to be in a position that we are going to pay you for planting certain crops and in fact absorb carbon from the air. That's part of what the plan relates to in terms of agriculture and, and, and the environment. But as it relates to, if you're talking about regulation that relates to fertilizer and water tables, that's a different thing. In the United States, in my state of Delaware, we have a $4 billion industry, chickens, chicken and chicken and poultry, and all what is all the, all the manure, quite frankly, that is a consequence of chickens. And so it's polluting the Chesapeake Bay. What we found out, we've invested a lot of money, we found out you can pelletize this and take out take out the the methane so you're in a position where you can use that fertilizer without the damage that was being done before. The same way with horse manure and cow manure and pig manure. And we can create thousands of jobs in rural America as a consequence of setting up these small industries within communities. And so that's the way you'll be able to continue to farm without worrying about whether or not you're polluting and being in a position where you're able to make money by what you do in the transition as well as be able to grow more. Because if you could take care of it. What did he just say? Hmm. I thought Joe said no. I thought Joe said no malarkey. (laughs) I have... I have no idea what Joe Biden was talking about. All of a sudden, it went back. It went back to, oh yeah, lots of government regulation. Well, well I mean, chicken poop. <laughs> well, the dude. Okay, so so the first the first thing he said, uh, he's talking about uh, making land banks and things like that. 
I know a bit about farming, not a lot, but I know a bit. What he described is a program called the Crop Rotation Program. And that has been around, I'm not sure, but it's been around a long time. And so when he's confronted with a question, he's going to fall back on something like the Crop Rotation Program, which already exists and has existed for a long time and does work fairly well. It's subsidized. He's going to go back to that and talk bullshit. And people just listen to him. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that sounds good. The second part, I don't know what the fuck. He's, you know, Trump's good with riffing on things. Joe Biden is not, dude. That was awful. I mean, the first part, crop rotation program, like, dude. Yeah, dude, that's, we have crops, that. Yeah, they've been rotating crops forever. And the you know farmers figured out pretty quick. They didn't need the government to tell them, hey, man, if you grow like, you know, down here in the, over here in North Carolina, Virginia, right, in Georgia, tobacco's big. Right. You can't grow tobacco in the same plot of land two years in a row because tobacco sucks so much of the nutrients and everything out of the soil. You have to plant something else there, you know, to get it back. So you rotate your tobacco and corn or your tobacco and sagum, your tobacco and you know, we like you like that did farmers didn't need the government to tell them to do that. Right. That's that's an easy that's an easy win. My favorite part though is when he starts to interrupt her and she was like Hold up! Come on, man! You, you just put the seed and the water and dirt and fuck and the dirt and the water. Come on, you know, man! You know, and you just put the thing. Stuff. You know the thing. You know the thing. And, and that's what he was trying to do. Yeah. So the second part of that, and it's a total distraction because obviously the lady is a farmer and saying, "Okay, you know, you're going to impose all these new regulations, and it's going to impact you know my ability to to farm and feed my family. So what are you going to do about it?" And he just totally blows it off, doesn't you know, doesn't answer the question, and he tries to provide this analogy with piss poor context. And what he's trying to say, because I'm from the the Delmarva Peninsula out there with fucking Frank Purdue land and chickens and all that other shit, is hey, chickens, you know, that was their crop, and they shit all over the place. It was environmentally bad, so they found something else for them to make money off of by selling their you know manure to people that made pellets. What the fuck does that got to do with her out in, in Kansas or wherever the hell she's at? Or Wisconsin or wherever the hell, you know. It's got nothing, right? Uh, yeah, and he did, he he also didn't address, and this is where, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking is easy to do with Joe Biden, but he didn't address the Green New Deal portion, which that's the part right. he was, you know, he was trying to interrupt. That's what he should have done. If he wants to get, you know, some Republicans over who might be watching that saying, hey, I'm on the fence, really hate Trump, never Trump. You know, he could address that, lie about it, because that's what they all do. And maybe get a couple of Republican votes out of that, but instead he just completely ignored that because he knows he's full of shit. And and AOC's right. AOC's right, by the way. Did you hear what she said? You know, in that that walking yeah. interview in DC. Yep. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she wants Joe Biden to win solely because that she and the rest of the squad and everybody they know how susceptible Joe Biden will be to implementing their policies. Right. Mm. They, mm-hmm. Yeah. They're smart, dude. They, they know what what they win regardless, right? Because they either get Joe in there and Joe's going to do whatever they tell him to, right? Because Joe doesn't know what day it is. And he doesn't know. He has to remind people that he's Joe Biden's husband like he did in that one press conference. I'm her husband. And, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, this, yeah. this is my wife. This is my <laughs> wife, Jill. Hi, Jill. I'm her husband. Like, dude, uh, that was awful, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that is my, that was my great uncle when he started getting Alzheimer's. Like that was him. That was him right there. And you, I'm telling you, people don't 
I, people are ignoring it. You said the media, you're right. The media is ignoring it. That is, that is, dude, that is cognitive decline. That is Alzheimer's right out of the gate, man. That is, that is absolutely. And, uh, or they get Kamala Harris six months into the administration. Got to do 24 months. Right. It's the only way she can do 10 years. I'm still waiting for the Biden commercial to where he gives a speech and he's like, I'm Joe Biden and I approve that. Do I approve this message? You know, I'm still waiting for that to, to, to air because, <laughs> you know, you know, that's got, there's got to be some clips on that. Nah, man, they, they, they recorded that one time. It was We're like, we got it over and over we again. Got it. And you know what? I don't really have a problem yeah. with, with Biden just like being out there. I mean, he is who he is. That's the candidate and, and whatever. And, and obviously you're trying to polish a turd if you're running his campaign and who knows? I mean, maybe the polls are right this time and he is leading by double digits in every state, you know, in the union or whatever, you know, I don't think so, but maybe he is. So, you know, I, I don't, necessarily blame him it goes back to the media and hold them holding them accountable because it's like even with the teleprompter thing and, and this goes back to what luke was saying with this whole cognitive dissonance like truly there could not be any doubt in 99 percent of the people's minds that he is not all there i mean i think we know i mean i think any reasonable person left right center whatever i think even antifa or blm or you know your neo-nazis you, i think you could take some money from any part of that spectrum and say you know what joe biden is not all there and when Trump was beating him up on the teleprompter, you know, and the whole point of the teleprompter use was that not that he's reading from it or giving a speech from it or whatever, but it's the fact that, hey, it was an open forum question. And one, you're having to read the answer off the teleprompter. But in order to do that, that means the question was staged. That means the answer was staged. That's the bigger problem, right? Everybody's focused on the teleprompter. No, much like Donna Brazil did. Remember, this happened in another election. Oh, yeah, everybody forgets about Donna Brazil and Bernie Sanders, right? We forgot about that. So when you're feeding the questions ahead of time, uh, that's the bigger issue. But, you know, you specifically take the teleprompter thing, which they're wholly, they're they're totally, and this is what Democrats are great. You know, they're, they're great at conflating the issues. And so now you've got, uh, who's this D-bag? Ryan Nobles, you know, I think he's from CNN, came out to defend, uh, you know, Joe Biden's teleprompter use. And he put out on Twitter, President Trump speaking tonight from two teleprompters, just just mocked Joe Biden for using a teleprompter. So, you know, the media is coming to defend Joe Biden. And it's like, I mean, clearly he's smart enough to know that there, there are obviously differences. So, so now, well, I'll put it this way. One, it, it's either intentional or you're just plain ignorant. I don't think there. Are, I don't think all these people are, are just you know straight ignorant. So that leads me to believe that it's intentional. I mean, there is an intentional media bias that's going on, uh, and we're not talking about like QAnon and this. Now we're talking about like your your mainstream media that should be generally center with slight variations left or right. You know, depending on you know obviously personalities and network and this and that. But you're not seeing that anything that Joe does, uh, they come to the defense of. And, you know, it goes again back to Luke's statement. It's like, I haven't heard one person on the left, media wise, like question his cognitive ability. It's like, come on, man, to really to use his term. Come on, man. Like, you really can't see that this guy is not all upstairs. Our, our media, our entire media, whether it's Fox News, whether it's CNN, is complete garbage. It is absolute hot putrid garbage it is so biased you know either way that i i I truly don't believe there is a fix for it other than burning 
these things to the burning these outlets to the ground, man, burn CNN to the ground, burn Fox News to the ground, salt the earth with them and get an actual unbiased report. Like you get the Walter Cronkite's back here. Here's the news. Here are the facts. Here's what happened. You decide. There's no there, there there is no outlet out there right now that is even remotely close to that. And not a major outlet. Not a major outlet, no. And it's I don't know I don't know what the fix is because it's so hard to break into that you know it's so hard to break into that industry and that's why I don't think you've seen you know something come up because the need is there and I I think a lot of Americans on both sides of the aisle would welcome that. They would welcome an organization, some media outlet that would come out and say, "Hey, here's what happened, you know, details at 11, here's the details and you decide, you make up your mind, you know, we don't care." That well, you, you you will never see that again. I think I think we can all agree I'm an old fart uh at at the at the ripe old age of 47 and I've I figured out a few things. I'm I'm young enough though to uh, to figure out Twitter, Facebook. I hate Instagram, but we got a younger generation coming up. I, I couldn't hope to educate, not educate. I couldn't hope to uh, teach my parents how to use Twitter the same way I do. It's just not in their wheelhouse. Their wheelhouse is Walter Cronkite. Their wheelhouse is being able to turn on the television and get the unvarnished. These are the facts. Make up your mind. So I what. I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I agree with you, Josh, and I think you're, you mean figuratively, you listen to YouTube, I think Josh means figuratively burning them to the ground. Maybe he doesn't, but we're going to say he does. Um, I, I think that you know we're a long way from seeing them taken out of the market because, I mean, we're talking billion-dollar industries here. But if you get on Twitter and you find independent journalists, uh, and they're out there on Twitter, and there are some good ones, uh, you know, they, they cover very specific things. They don't have the capability to cover, you know, the strife going on in Belarus. You know, they don't have the money to do that. But you got, got guys like Andy Nyo, uh, who's an independent journalist. He's not uh, controlled by anyone going out and reporting on the riots in uh, Portland, Seattle. He travels around. He has a few people working for him. And all he's doing is reporting actually what's going on. He puts out a few opinion pieces just on Twitter, though, uh, and it's like he's giving the facts. Tim Pool does a pretty good job of just giving the facts. He gives a lot of editorial because he does you know three hours of podcasting every single day, so he has to fill that with editorial. But I really believe that independent journalists like this are going to start appealing to the younger crowd, people my age and younger, and they're going to start getting more of their news from those types of people. Now, probably what will happen, being the eternal cynic that I am, is that the big corporations will come in and buy those people up and they'll change over just like Joe Rogan did. Um, they'll figure out a way to appeal to the masses. But I would encourage people, you know, we're always talking about, you know, fact check your stuff, do your due diligence, you know. You know, search Twitter, find you some independent journalists who are covering things, who have some credibility, and and start following them too. I'm I'm starting to get a lot more of my actual news from Twitter because I've learned, holy cow, I saw this, and then six hours later I'll see it reported on CNN or Fox News because it, it, it's that much quicker. So I'd encourage people to you know go out there and take a look at it because man, holy cow, a lot of these clips from Biden that we see, you know, some of the funny ones that we play. You don't see those played over and over on CNN, Fox News. You don't see those played over and over on their YouTube channels. 
where these clips are coming from are independent journalists or people that are recording their TVs. I know you guys have seen those mm-hmm. and they'll catch something and they'll put it out. It's like, you know, I think the paradigm's shifting slowly, but what really freaked me out, Roger, did you see this the other night was when yes. Newt Gingrich, one of the men who made Fox news, what it is. I saw him, Harris Faulkner, Melissa, somebody, She's a regular on on uh, Fox News and some other blonde girl. It's one of the most awkward exchanges I've ever seen. Tell us about it. Basically, she, I think Harris Faulkner was the moderator, and uh, there and the one blonde haired lady. I think we were we got him a little mixed. So one, the one blonde lady is a former State Department under under Clinton, big time Democrat or whatever. But basically, you know, uh, Newt Gingrich gets on there and they they ask him whatever the question was, and like the first words out of his mouth was George Soros, and then ah. Dude, it was like, uh, you could tell somebody immediately got in Harris Faulkner's ear. Now, in all fairness, okay, and you had to go back and gurgle it because you actually watch it because it is, it's awkward as fuck. Like, you're looking like, okay, there is clearly some stuff going on. And I get it. You know, you do have to give a couple seconds to delays and this and that because that, that's just the way it happens. But, you know, he brings up George Soros. And I think immediately right there, Fox, you know, whoever that producer is, right? Some guy like me sitting in the back talking in Harris's ear is like, we, and I think, I can't remember which one uh, you two said it. We'll go ahead and give Luke the credit since he always wants the credit. But, uh, you know, they want to pull themselves away from being <laughs> QAnon and, and being that right side. Uh, what's the OAN network, right? Or OAN. So they, they, uh, they want, they don't want to be seen as that extreme right side news. So you could tell somebody was immediately in her ear and then it's almost like they cut mics. And then there's like this three or four seconds of just like dead silence. And she's clearly still receiving instructions from, you know, up, oh, go, we got, we got, got <laughs> shit, you know, just put water on the stuff, man, and put it in the, go to commercial, you know? And, and it's so just very, very awkward. And, you know, I'm not as big into the, I mean, I get who he is. I know he throws his money out there. I'm not as big into the George Soros conspiracy as everybody else is. Uh, I just think there are a lot of um, there are a lot of players in it. But it's the you know I, I think you hit something you know on the head with the Twitter and the news. But what I would encourage folks out there, and I think this is what separates us three from a lot of other folks that we watch or have even asked us about how we get our info, is. You know, not only do we pull the news and find it on Twitter, but the next thing you do is you go look up the article. You know, you're trying to find out the facts for yourself. And that's what people have to do is get out of that headline stage, get out of that editorial piece, because I'm a fan of editorials. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Editorials, analysis, this, I have no problems with that. But the listeners or the readers out there, as they start reading this stuff, you have got to be able to, because like you said with Tim Pool, he's got three hours that he's got to talk about. So obviously the news itself is going to be a very small portion and then the rest of that's going to be his thoughts, his editorial, his analysis of it. And so as the reader and the listener, you have got to be able to differentiate and draw that line and distinguish you know, fact from editorial. Okay, this is the fact because that's what we do, right? I, I think that's very similar. I think and most newscasters and journalists, and we're far from both. I guess Luke might be the closest thing to one that that we'd have. But, you know, we generally bring out some what we believe to be fact that we've read from somewhere we got somewhere and then we read that piece and then from there we go on and provide our you know our opinion our analysis of it our editorial and so for the listeners out there i mean that's what you really got to do and and i think i'm with you i i I haven't really been a big twitter guy uh but i think over the last couple days i mean i I think i actually have like 
four followers and you might be two of them. But uh, so I might need to build that base up a little bit. But I am starting to get more and more news because, you know, the other thing it shows you, and, and again, you can argue what the base is of Twitter as far as the users and this and that, but it is faster. I mean, you thought the 24-hour news cycle was fast. Twitter's quick. And, uh, you know, I, I do like the editorials and some of the comments back and forth from that because I like the original news thing. But, you know, one, one thing that the editorials do provide is a different aspect or a different perspective at looking at something. Because I do get a lot from that. I'm like, oh, you know what? I never thought about this. I never thought about looking at it from that way or whatever. So I agree with you, man. The, the, the Twitter thing is, I know I'm totally off from the, the George Soros Fox News thing. But, uh, you know, just I, I absolutely agree with you on the, on the Twitter thing. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind the editorials, right? But I go back to so I grew up. You, you know, all three of us grew up. I grew up with a newspaper, right? I went down, got the newspaper out of the you know the little newspaper box, which was attached to the pole right under the mailbox every morning, and I could sit down and I could read the news section, and then I could go to the editorial section, right? And the editorial section is where it's like, okay, let's see what people have. Let's see what people think about this, not what happened. But let's go see what people think right. about it, because that's where you get your oppose. Yeah, that's where you get your opposing viewpoints, and that's where you go. Okay, well, I didn't think of that. You know, I didn't think of that. I didn't look at it that way. Whatever, right? But they were separated, and so I can look and say, okay, this is the news. This is what happened, and then this is what a couple people think about it. And so all we get now is here's what people think about it. Okay, I don't give a shit what you think about it right now. Let me digest it first and let me figure out what I think about it. And then we can have a discussion on what you think and we can have that, you know, opposing viewpoint conversation that people just aren't having now because everything's a fucking editorial. Right. Everything. Right. Right out of the gate. And so that's where that's where we've lost the the editorial piece. Right. And when you start talking about things like, you know, in the news, you know, let's. The, the peace deals that happen. It wasn't, hey, here's what happened. Here's why it's significant. It was, well, either here's why it's pretty amazing, which it was, or here's why, to quote Nancy Pelosi, a distraction. Right? Incredible. Mm. I, yeah, absolutely, right? And so, you know, for us and for millions of others who have spent time in that region of the world fighting to have a couple of the countries come together and say, Hey man, we might not be BFFs yet. We're not, you know, we're not going to start posting our Instagram selfies quite yet, but we're at least willing to, you know, put down the sword and, you know, sit down at a table and have some dialogue and actually just talk to each other. It's incredibly significant incredibly significant and to have people just dismiss it as well it's a distraction or you know what does that what does that do for me as an american why is that important to me why do i care about that right they just absolutely just blows me away absolutely blows me away and i know luke you know luke, luke was to the point where he was like you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna save this for the podcast um you know, on, on, on that whole, like, well, how does this help me as an American, you know? And then it wasn't about Israel and UAE or Israel and Bahrain. It was, well, what about Israel and Palestine? Right. It's just, 
it blew my mind, especially because there's individuals out there who, you know, have literally spent time in that part of the world, you know, fighting. And they even questioned the, you know, they even questioned the Serbia Kosovo deal. Right. It was like, I was deployed with you in Kosovo right after the ethnic cleansing stopped. You remember when the United States sent a whole bunch of people over to stop the Muslims from being killed by all the Orthodox Christians from Serbia. You remember that you remember in Bosnia? I know Roger spent time in Bosnia, right? You remember when we went over and just keep all the Muslims from being killed, you know, and drop down wells and, you know, keep your heads being cut off by Arkans tigers. Yeah. Now you're like, well, why is that a big deal? Why do I care about that? Well, maybe motherfucker, because I don't want to spend another year away from my family for starters. <laughs> right. And two, maybe it means a bunch of innocent people don't get killed. I don't know. Call me crazy. I think, I think that's a good thing. So yeah. I know Luke was pretty fired up about it. He's got, well, he's chomping at the bit to I, say something. I, I wanted to do a lot more research. I wanted to do Roger level research on this, but time just got away from me this week. But I, I do have a little bit of basic knowledge about, you know, the Middle East and what's going on with Israel and Palestine. And, you know, the, the first bit of research I did, you know, just to make sure I have my dates right. I, I go and I look at the Israel-Palestine conflicts. So let's, let's, let's reel this back to Israel-Palestine before I go into, uh, the unfortunate Facebook exchange on Josh's page the other day. So let's talk about Israel and Palestine just for a second and Israel and the Arab world uh, for just a second. So I, I go and the first thing I read is the Israel-Palestine conflict uh, basically started in the mid 20th century. So around 1948 when Israel was, uh, was established. And I immediately was like, well, this is the wrong source because... <laughs> This conflict goes back literally thousands of years. And, you know, these these accords that have been signed with UAE and Bahrain, and I'm pretty sure there will be other countries signing on to this uh, relatively soon, uh, are called the Abraham Accords. And well, if, if you went to Sunday school, you may remember there was a guy named uh, Abraham who had a, he had a couple wives and he had a bunch of sons. And basically the split took place uh, between the Arab world and the... Uh, I say Jewish world um, with uh, two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, I believe. And I uh, know Jacob, I'm sorry, it, right? Jacob and Esau, is that right? Whatever. So Ishmael went the Arab way, and uh, that's kind of where the Quran traces uh, their religion kind of back to, they trace it back to Abraham, but it was Abraham's son, Ishmael. And I believe uh, the, the Jews trace it back to Jacob. I, I think I've got that right. Uh, Abraham's family tree. Uh, no, I was right the first time. It's Isaac. <laughs> so Ishmael and Isaac. And Isaac had Jacob and Esau. So it, it really split back then. And I'm not sure. I'm not too up on my uh, BCE. That's uh, before the common era. Because we don't say before Christ on this social, socially uh, so correct uh, oh, podcast. <laughs> I know, right? So I don't know how far back in the thousands of years don't. that goes. <laughs> But it, it's, so this is a long conflict and those two brothers did not get along. Uh, and it, it goes all the way back to there. So I believe in, you know, on the study I've done on the Israeli Palestine, Palestinian conflict is that is a proxy for the Arab world to gang up on Israel always has been because, you know, is before the, the state of Israel was was set up, there were multiple places they had a choice to go. I think uh, Uruguay or Paraguay was one of them. 
where they offered to set up a nation there. I believe there was another place. And uh, they settled on the homeland of Israel. The Palestinians, on the other hand, are not just in that territory where we all know Israel is. They're all over the place, kind of like the Jews were and still are. They're all over the place. Uh, The difference is none of these Arab countries are taking the Palestinians in. They don't. If we have any, I'd love somebody to come on and debate with me on this. But I get in, in Arab countries like Kuwait. Kuwait in specifically, Saudi Arabia, Palestinians are second-class citizens. Uh, they, they are not treated well. So I think that's just a, a, uh, <laughs> a smokescreen for the Arab world to, uh, to, to gang up on Israel. But So let's get to the meat of this. Josh made a post the other day about, uh, you know, it was after the UAE deal. And that was, I think the UAE deal was after the Kosovo-Serbia thing. And mm-hmm. Josh uh, does, his, does his duty and posts uh, a positive article, Trump announces a deal between Bahrain and Israel to normalize relations and push for Middle East peace. So one of uh, an acquaintance of uh, Josh said, I'm going to read through this. Not sure what I'm missing, but how does that benefit me as an American? Josh replies back, how does it not? Someone else replies back, a stabilized Middle East benefits the entire world immensely. Now it starts getting good, people. <laughs> so the original guy said, the problem is, been, is between Palestinian, I'm going to read it as he wrote it, is between Palestinian and Israeli. It's not a religious problem. It's a real estate problem. I might lack a little bit of knowledge. If I remember this correctly, the issue started when Europe sent Jews from their countries <laughs> feeling bad for what they did to them in World War II and decided to place them all in one country, then changing the name of the country to another name. Oh, God, this guy. Man, we could we could write a book on this. There were no issues or wars between those two faiths prior to the establishment of the new country by force and kicking its people out in mass. So tell me again, why do we care if Bahrain recognizes Israel? I would say the day we, the U.S., assist in having Israel recognize Palestine, then that's an accomplishment worth worth, worth mentioning. Oh, my God. Okay, there's so many things wrong with that. Roger, we'll get to you. And then one guy put, <laughs> there were no issues or war between these two faiths prior, LOL. What? I, I can't. I'm not going to read through this. My plan was to read through all this. But this guy was so totally off base on on history and we're not going to go into that on this podcast because this is not that you know that history podcast where that dude drones on for five hours i i want first roger to tell me how does this benefit the united states like boil it down i mean boil it down barney style how these agreements with these two countries and hopefully more to follow benefits the United States. How does it not? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. There's there's two factors to this. Okay. There's obviously, you know, the gorilla in the cage or in the room or whatever. Hey, uh, there's this other country over there, right? Um, What's the name of that? starts with an I. Oh yeah. Iran. So I think, uh, you know, you look at state sponsor of terrorism, uh, you know, and part of this is there, there are several different factors that go into this. You've got the whole Israeli-Palestinian thing, you know, that's, that's been going on. You've got, you know, what is this, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth, eighth, uh, you know, peace or whatever the hell you want to call it, accord that, you know, in, in the history between the, you know, Arab and the, the Arab world and the Israelis. But so you, there is a piece there with the Palestinians and the Israelis. 
um, which I think still run by the PLO, right? I mean, has that changed in the last several years? Maybe a little bit. Uh, but the bigger yeah. thing is, hey, you're putting pressure on fucking Iran. I mean, you know, I always joke with, with, with Luke being a globalist because, and, and I say that, you know, tongue in cheek because we'll talk about things here in America. And then Luke wants to bring up some stupid shit about what they're doing in Slovenia, which nobody gives two fucks about because I live in Phoenix and could care less about what's going on in Slovenia. But in this case here, uh, you know, you're trying to build that coalition to put pressure on Iran, right? Because if, um, you know, you remember like your whole back in the day, let's go back to the George Bush era, you know, where you, you had your axis of evil and this and that. Well, you know, when that axis of evil grows larger, there's a lot more support there. And so when you're trying to do anything, whether it's military operations or U.N. sanctions or, or anything else, uh, diplomacy-wise, hey, the more you're able to cut off those support lines, the more you're able to cut off uh, you know, those other countries that might be backdooring, right, sending gas in, sending fuel in, sending supplies, conducting trade, this and that, you know, sanctions only work if everybody gets involved. Sanctions don't work if you can't get the other countries involved with it. And uh, so, so that's one issue there. Iran by itself, that should be enough said. If, if you don't get that point there, then you probably shouldn't fucking listen to our podcast because you're too goddamn stupid. So uh, I'll tell you that right, you know, right up front. And I don't want to sound like Josh with it, but th- th- that's the whole point of it you know, to, to me in my mind. The other piece that's really more bothering is actually the guy in his conversation, which, by the way, in all fairness, we did invite him to be on the podcast. And I think that was the last thing, right? Because he was like, hey, you talk a big fucking game, man. We got this podcast <laughs> called Culper's Canteen Cup. Come on, play us. Show us what you're working with. And it was like crickets. Because right? they just get them. They just fucking. You know, Nothing. That was they, the last they, they of spew it. spew garbage. What, what kills me is how much that the media and other politicians are downplaying it. You know, and, and I don't want to tie it all back to Trump, but that's what it is. They, wanna, they don't want to give the man credit for anything. And then even folks that are out there on social media that are like, well, I'm not left or right. I'm in the center. But, you know, what's the first thing that came up on it was, well, you know, there have been informal relations going on for years. Okay, that's great that you took that from the first sentence I was in fucking Wikipedia because that's what came up. That's what happened. They went there. They gurgled it, said, huh? What? Well, first, let me, let me find out where, you know, the Middle East is and, and Bahrain. Where is that? Is that, is that a country? So a little kingdom, a little one, right? So they, they had to go find that shit on the map. Then they typed that, you know, the Abraham Accord in there. And, they, and Wikipedia said, hey, informal relations have been going on for years. So th- that was the retort. Well, this has been going on. It's just not that big of a deal. If you don't, you know, I'll throw it to Josh for his thoughts on it, you know, because he tends to be a little more uh, abrasive with it. But you are extremely obtuse if you don't see how this, it goes back to what we talked about 9-11. Okay. And I am telling you this now, there are, I don't want to oversimplify it because there are a lot of other factors that went into it. You can trace nine 11 back to the 1976 Carter doctrine, uh, and, and our show of force in the middle East period without their Carter doctrine, there is no nine 11. Okay. I'm telling you that right now without us getting involved and dragging it. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. Okay. I don't want to say, I know my, my tone may sound that way, but you know, without us getting involved and, and backing the Muj uh, against the Soviets in Afghanistan, if that doesn't happen back in, you know, the seventies and eighties, nine 11 doesn't happen. So, you know, one of the other aspects taking this back to Iran is you're laying the groundwork to prevent another terrorist attack. Because here's the difference with Iran. Uh, they are a state. They are, they are a sovereign nation. And we're not talking about, you know, Al-Qaeda, you know, Al-Qaeda ISIL, ISIS, you know, AQM, all these other folks that struggle with resources, right? You're talking about a nation state here that has 
resources. They can carry out attacks. They have carried out attacks. They continue to carry out attacks, uh, not just against Americans, but against anybody who's, who's against their interests, right? So you're looking at a lot more support. Uh, you're looking at a lot more logistics. You're looking at a lot more resources. So that's the number one thing is you're laying the groundwork that, hey, you get these guys to the table. I would rather them sit there and yell at each other other than lob rockets at each other. I mean, that, that, to me, that is, that is the whole point of it. I don't know, Josh. Am I, am I missing something there or am I, am I being obtuse? No, you're you're absolutely you're absolutely spot on with that, right? And so, you know, and again, for the people who don't understand how and why this is a good thing, you know, to to put pressure on Iran, well, I tell you, you know, let's go back to let's go back to the Marine Barracks bombing in Beirut. Right? Let's go let's talk about Palestinian Hamas. Let's talk about Lebanese Hezbollah, right? All Iran funded. And I, I don't know if they were funded, you know, part of that, you know, they probably got some money when, I don't know, the, the last administration of Obama and Biden, you know, Biden, that guy who's running for president, you know, when they put a pallet full of cash and different currencies, you know, on planes in the middle of the night and flew it to Iran. So some people will be like, well, that was Iran's money to begin with. Well, let me tell you something. If I owe somebody money and it turns out that they're a major terrorist sponsor who's killed Americans, guess what? I'm probably going to renege on that. I'm probably going to be like, bitch, come get your money. Come take it. Molan Lay, bitch. Come take it. Let's see how bad you are. So, you know, to Luke's point, the Palestinians, the Palestinians are basically the gypsies of the, of the Middle East, right? <laughs> they're, they're the Romas. No country wants them. Nobody there, you know, at the end of the day, they're like, all right, they're Arabs or whatever, but nobody wants them. They're the gypsies. They are the gypsies of the Middle East, right? And so, but when you take a look at this, you think about it, there's only four countries total that recognize Israel as a state. And two of those just happened last week, right? So you've got the other two are Egypt and Jordan. Egypt recognized them in 1979. Jordan recognized them in 1994. All right. And it's also important to note that the, uh, the person who engaged me on my Facebook post about this is, is Egyptian. Um, so <laughs> since, uh, since 19, since 1979, their, their, their country has, has recognized Israel as a state. They're still upset about that, uh, apparently. Right. And so a, a couple of other nuances about the Abraham deals. So it still has to be as Isra- uh, ratified by the, uh, the Israeli cabinet, which is they, they fully expect, uh, that it's, that it's going to be ratified. The other thing is that it allows it specifically states, right? Because they, you know, there's always talk about the West bank and the, you know, the Golan Heights and Gaza and everything. And about, you know, there are, ab- there are absolutely some significant religious sites within Jerusalem for both Christians and Muslims. And one of the, one of the reasons, you know, Luke kind of touched on a little bit is about, you know, why uh, Jerusalem and Israel is so prominent in the, uh, in the religion of Islam is that the third holiest site in Islam is in Jerusalem. It's the Al-Asqa mosque. Right. And so, you know, supposedly that was the area, that was a mosque that Muhammad uh, spoke at, you know, and then he ascended, you know, into heaven from uh, the Jerusalem area, right? So it's the third holiest site in in Islam. And so it's very important. So one of the things that this deal does, it says Israel agreed to, hey, Muslims are free to come and go to visit, you know, the third holiest site in their religion, 
Right. So, you know, it, it, you oversimplify it. You're, you're disingenuous. You're ignorant at worst, right? When you say that this is, you know, a real estate problem that started in the 1940s. No, the fuck it didn't. Right. I don't know. Call me, call, call me crazy, but I'm pretty sure I learned in Sunday school that Moses led the Jews out of Egypt and he settled somewhere after his 40 year land navigation challenge. Um, I think he settled somewhere, somewhere in this place called Israel. I don't know. Call, call me crazy. So, you know, to say that this just started in the 1940s is absolutely incorrect. Uh, it's not even remote to be enclosed. You're disingenuous. And you want to talk about the Palestinians. And I think that you go back and you look at U.S. policy, you go back even further than the Carter Doctrine, you go back and you know, look, how many times has the U.S. government tried to get Israel and Palestine to sit down at the table? Every administration has tried it. Every single one. Every administration has failed epically because of, you know, the, to get the Palestinian and Israelis at the same table for a duration of time to where they actually come to an agreement and a peace to where they recognize each other. It's just not going to happen. And I, and so, you know, the New York times tweeted, can Jared Kushner's a 36 year old person who just does real estate, you know, can, can, what what the, what is he going to do? What problem is he going to solve? Well, he got two countries to recognize Israel, something that's never been done ever. Right. Other than Egypt and Jordan. So Obama couldn't do it in eight years. Joe Biden, you know, that guy running for president right now, he couldn't do it in eight years. And the other all the years that he was in the U.S. Congress, he couldn't do it. So in comes Jared Kushner. And when the Trump administration looked at it and said, we don't have to get the Israelis and Palestinians to the table. We got to get the Israelis and other countries at the table, because eventually Palestine is going to take a look around and they're going to go, man. We don't have any more allies in the region. We don't have any more friends in the region. We don't have any other countries who say death to Israel in the region other than Iran. Right. That's the company they keep anyway. So a marginalized Palestine, a marginalized Palestinian population, a marginalized Iran in the region is a good thing for every American on multiple levels. And for somebody who is from that region, who, you know, claims to be, you know, I, you know, claims to be, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm from the Middle East, whatever. If you don't understand that one, you're ignorant at best or two, your seditious at worst. And so I, those two things, if for Nancy Pelosi to call him a distraction, what a con. Like for real. all the words that we said, like for real. That Josh went there yeah, and he was the first one dropping. And, and we haven't even Seriously. talked about like the, the Syria piece. Right. I mean, we haven't even talked about, yeah, we no, haven't even like, you know, started piece. pulling these threads where you talk about, you know, the you know, Iranian influence and interference in the Syrian war, civil war. And then, Oh, by the way, what's tied to that? Oh yeah. Russia. I mean, this thing is huge. You know, it's like, we, we yeah. haven't even gone down that yeah. road yet. You know, I think one one of the things that pissed me off the worst reading that, and that's why I just posted a, you know, sigh, you know, like I'm reading it and I'm like, 
<sighs> you know, I, it's not even worth it. You know, and what pissed me off is when I when I said sigh was when he started talking down uh, to everyone in the post who just doesn't understand how complex this is. You know, and there's comments, you know, with historical misunderstanding. It's like that's one of my pet peeves is when when someone very obviously from their very first post reveals their ignorance and then starts throwing it back on everyone else saying, no, 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 you're the one that's ignorant. And, you know, I'd love anyone who disagrees with this, with what we're saying, anything with the Israeli Palestinian conflict, you know, Middle East, um, you know, come on the, come on the, the Facebook page and we'll have a, we'll have a good debate and then, you know, back it up with facts and, you know, all that stuff. But man, we're going to call you out and get a little bit pissed off when you start spouting this nonsense. You know, and I'm, I see it. God, I see that more and more. I, I you know, I, I try to make these these you know these posts where someone hopefully will engage you. Maybe I'll learn something. You know, and then I get bullshit in reply, like the the tweet I made about uh, you know, hey people, it was on somebody's. I just saw a tweet and I, I replied. I was like, hey everybody, you guys know that Russia doesn't really care who wins the election, <laughs> right? They don't care if Joe Biden wins. They don't care if Donald Trump wins. They're not like. That they want to sow mistrust in the system. That's their goal. And we fall for it every time. And I thought that was just kind of like in the middle. I was like, hey, I'm not saying they want Trump or Biden to win. I'm saying they don't care. And I got like, a, I didn't get many comments, like, like four of people like, oh, you're just in the bag for Trump. Trump is bought and sold to Putin. And I think, you know, I replied back and I was like, hey, you know, I'd love to see some facts on some sources. I'd love to see your sources on that, you know, and then crickets, you know. It's just, you know, I hate it when people just turn off their brains and spout whatever they heard on the news or whatever they read on the far left or far right, you know, thread that they follow. You know, I, it's just it's it's unbelievable. It's 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 unbelievable. And we do know Roger's point. If, if y'all really want to get into it, man, we'll start unweaving this this carpet, uh, this, you know, this uh, rug. I mean, they, these are this is some complex issues, very complex we could go down the road on which Middle East countries we think would be next to sign this on. And we'll go down all the way to the ones we think would be last to sign on because of what that means for their particular countries, for their particular diaspora within the countries like Lebanon. Oh my God, it would be suicide for them to sign on to this right now. You know, they're not going to do it, but they might later on. And again, to Roger's point, putting pressure on Iran. I don't know if a lot of people understand that Arabs do not like Persians and vice versa. And that goes back further than Islam. <laughs> I mean, that goes way the hell I, back dude, there. I I had somebody on Twitter and I meant to tag you. I had somebody on Twitter when I said Arabs and Iran, <laughs> right? Those are two separate groups, Arabs and Iran. Somebody came back and was like, "That those, they're Arabs." Ooh. I was like, oh. "Don't!" Oh. I was like, oh, "Just man. stop talking right now." I was like, "Just stop was talking. That? Don't say anything else because you automatically have shown your ignorance. They're not Arabs. God. Iranians are not Arabs. So just go ahead. As it stays left, get, dude, just get the fuck out. Just get the fuck Koreans, out. Koreans and Japanese. That's I, actually the same I actually can't believe I bet, that you called was, them Persians. <laughs> I'm Persian. Oh, you're Iranian. I'm well, Persian. That's you're what, Iranian. Oh, come on. No. It, well, uh, it, it, uh, I, I it, wish it would go back. I wish it would go back. I, you guys have probably met a few, like, I'm going to call them Persians. You've probably met a few, maybe, so westernized Persians, like, 
who mm-hmm. came over back in the day. And I am telling you, after spending time on both sides of Persia, <laughs> of Iran, <laughs> I'll tell you that they are, they are Muslim, but they are more compatible with Western ideals and Western values than I've seen on either side of them. So I'm saying Arabs, Afghans, they're, they're compatible. And if you look back at the history of Iran, uh, I mean, before when the Shah was in power, I know with the Savak and all that, they did some horrible things. But man, Iran was, was a real player uh, because they knew how to handle the right. Western world. They really did because we had a lot in common back then, Lawrence of Arabia and all that stuff. I'm going way off, way off here, but <laughs> we, we can get into it. In other words, people, it, we can get into it, dude. Y'all want to, y'all want to challenge us and what we know and, and and try to reveal what we don't. Bring it, man. We're ready, dude. We had the perfect opportunity in 2009 yep. with the yep. Iranian election protest. We had the perfect opportunity to go ahead, foment that, amplify that. And to regime change internally, that would not have taken U.S. troops to go in and do that. The Iranian people are ready. Dude, Iranians, they want their Levi jeans, man. They want their discos. They they are done, but they just they don't they don't have a warm fuzzy that we will back them. Right. And to our own to our own, you know, fault in that after they've seen what we've done with the Kurds and, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. They, but 2009 was a perfect opportunity. We completely screwed the pooch on that. Thanks, Obama. And then turn around and the Arab Spring was a complete disaster. Anybody who thinks that was a good idea, take a look at Libya right now. Egypt's still a shit show. They're slowly coming on board, but they were on board a little bit before, right? Because again, the Egypt population, they love their Levi jeans, they love their discotheques, you know, but we had the perfect opportunity to change Iran and that would have changed the entire face of the Middle East. And we, and I think we were all certain, up. right? We were we all, I was certain. Up. I remember being at a hotel. I think we were on a, we might've been on a mission somewhere together. Like I was certain. I'm like, Oh, here it comes. This bitch is about to drop because yep. I know we were involved in this and uh, it's, it regime changes about, I would have bet any amount of money on it. I'm just like, Hey, just waiting, just waiting. Right. It's just next thing you know, they're gonna be like, up, oh, it's fallen and you know, whatever. And it's just like, crickets i would have actually had some respect for barry if that would have happened because i legitimately i all three of us right yeah. legitimately expected that to happen and then days went by and i'm like wow of all the shit we get involved in this is the one you need to be involved in and and it's like you said it's prime yes. these people are fucking ready crickets it was nothing, man. And, you know, you, you think that the CIA would have been all over that. And uh, they weren't. They absolutely weren't. And who was who was, who was the uh, director of the CIA at the time? Who was that? Anybody know? Anybody know? Wasn't it John Brennan? Yeah, it was. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. They were all actually too busy yeah. when the news report came across Fox News. They were. I, I actually had this image of like all of them sitting around pallets putting the dollar bills on there, and they're like, "Hey, something alert just came across Fox News, huh? What's that? What protest going on, huh? Where is that? At? Iran? Oh shit! Just keep stacking, man. Just keep stacking dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yep, massive protest, man. But they were yeah, yeah but- they were stacking dollar bills like in the dude like in they like they were stacking them into Destiny's G string at the strip <laughs> club, bro. So I think we've spent long enough on this distraction because that's what it is. These this Middle East piece is just a COVID. distraction. 
So let's get let's let's start talking about COVID. Bless it. So I knew the other night. I knew the other night uh, watching the uh, it was the CNN town hall is the one a couple nights before when Joe Biden spent an inordinate amount of time talking about how he doesn't trust a vaccine that comes from Trump. And I was like, uh, I guess we're good. Uh, he doesn't trust a vaccine that comes from Trump before the election. I was like, oh, OK, so they're going to announce a vaccine before the election. I mean, that's that was my immediate thought. I'm like, OK, well, all right. I see the playbook. Um, what do you think, Raj? You think there'll be a vaccine before the election? What uh, when will you, you know, take I it? Mean, one, I don't think I would take it because I don't think I'm high risk. So, and I'm not an anti-vaxxer. It's like flu, right? It's like the flu. And, and I know it's not the flu. It kills more people. Yeah, whatever. Um, I wouldn't take it because I don't think I'm high risk. And even if I did have COVID, I, I think I'd recover from it pretty well. Just like, you know, whatever. However, I do think that those that are high risk probably do need to take the vaccine. But you know what? We called this thing weeks ago. We called it weeks ago. Democrats are going to start laying the groundwork because as a vaccine gets closer, because they're in they're in the final stages of clinical trials now. They're actually talking about, hey, we could actually be a couple of weeks away from rolling out 100,000 of these things, you know, and getting into some of the high risk folks. And you can't have that, you know, during the election, right? If you're the Democrats, you can't have it. So what do you do? You start downplaying the vaccine. You got you to lay that groundwork because you can't start off up top and you say, no, we're not taking it. You got to lay the groundwork. Well, you know, we don't want it rushed and we got to make sure all the steps are being made, you know, are being taken. And I think they've come out and, and, and said, hey, you know, uh, between the CDC and FDA and the Trump administration, obviously, uh, it's come out and said, hey, we've taken the necessary precautions. We haven't, um, you know. We sped things up, not necessarily, uh, I say we've, I guess a better term would be we've prioritized it as opposed to speeding it up. You know, you want to make it sound like, oh, they, they took, you know, cut corners or anything like that. They just, they prioritize it and that became the priority as opposed to going into the queue. But the Democrats have started laying that groundwork weeks ago because, hey, you know, a vaccine comes out October, a week before the election, end of October, election's over. Call it a day. Biden will still get a lot of votes. Democrats, where you could put a fucking, you know, monkey up there and, and get half the votes of, of the United States. But the election's over at that point, I believe. Anyway, I think I think Trump wins that and and probably bigger than what I think he's going to win it uh, as it is. But as the Biden campaign, you know, it's kind of funny. And, and even the left, you got to trust the science, man. I trust the scientists. The scientists have come out with a vaccine. Not those scientists. Not that science, because, you know, because you plant the seed, man, and water, and, and climate change is why those fires are going on out, out. You know what? Remember, and I know this is totally off topic. Remember, was it last year when, when you know, uh, Trump came out and said, and I get it, he obviously wasn't talking about a, a giant fucking rake, but, hey, you guys should come up with some type of raking thing, deforestation, kind of clean this mess up, and, oh, he's stupid. He's stupid. And now half your fucking state's on fire, right? It goes not to take away too much from the COVID thing. Cause we'll come back on that because that whole thing still pisses me off. Even though during episode two, I think I said, I'm done talking about COVID and here I am on episode 33, still talking about <laughs> fucking COVID. So welcome to the uh, two weeks to flatten the curve month six, but, but the media and Biden, Josh, can they be any wronger on anything else? I mean, can they be any, any more no. wrong? On anything. I don't care if it's foreign policy. What are you going to do? Just wave a magic wand and bring jobs back? Yeah, actually, abracadabra, bitch. Yeah, look, it happened. Uh, what's what's Kushner <laughs> going to do over there in the Middle East? Nothing's been done over. Oh, yeah, well, that kind of happened, too. 
They couldn't. They couldn't be any more wrong on a, an absolute number of things, right? And so, for those people, you know, for the people out there listening, you know, who may be thinking about voting for Joe Biden, I know earlier in this podcast, I think I called you stupid. Um, I think I called you <laughs> ignorant. Um, I stand by that. I don't retract that, right? I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't retract that. Uh, but think about it. Are you better off? Think about it financially. Are you better off financially now than you were in 2009, 2010? Right. Are you, are you better off now financially? I don't know. Are you better off now? You look at the people who continuously vote Democrat. Are those people better off now than they were, you know, for the last 20 years? I don't know. You, 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 you only you can answer that. Right. Take a look at your bank account. Take a look at your 401ks. Take a look at your, you know, your stocks. You, you figure that piece out. But for the COVID stuff, you know, am I going to get the COVID vaccine? No, I'm not. I don't get a flu shot every year. Why? Because it makes me feel terrible for like three days afterwards. And I don't feel like I don't want to feel like dog shit afterwards. Right. So am I going to get the COVID-19 vaccine? If there's one even before election day, no. If there's one a year from now, am I going to get it? Probably not. You know why? Because if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. Right? You're not high risk. I've been, I'm not high risk. And that's the mm. thing. It's like I can look at it and choose and say, you know what? I don't think I need it. I didn't think I needed, you know, you can go back to like our time in the, you know, in the army was dude how many shots and shit did we get <sighs> i was just dude smallpox yellow fever anthrax all the anthrax you know and it's not it's like guys it is unnecessary completely unnecessary i'm not I'm, I'm absolutely not an anti-vaxxer right i'm absolutely not an anti-vaxxer you have kids your kids should get vaccinations your kids should get you know measles, mumps, rubella, you know, like all that, all those vaccines, your kids should actually get those. Um, but I'm a, I'm a fucking grown man. Am I going to get the flu shot this year? Nope. I didn't get it last year. I didn't get it the year before that. I think I've, you know, I skated out with my med pros being <laughs> red for a very long time. <laughs> you know, even though people are like, Hey, you're red on med pros. You need to go get your flu shot. Be like, yep, right on it. I'll go. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Uh, sorry, man. I was TDY. Sorry. <laughs> oh, look, flu season's over. Guess I'll, I'll get it next year. Right? It's just, I, I won't get it. And it's not because I don't believe the science behind it. I just, I'm not high risk. And I, you know, I am strong enough that I will fight it off. And you know what? And I'll, maybe I'll look like an asshole if COVID-19, <laughs> you know, does get me and it kills me. Then, you know what? Whatever, dude. Then you guys can all make fun of me. I'll be dead. I won't give a shit. Oh, <laughs> so it just, it just, I don't, I don't buy into all of it. And, you know, you, you talk about how, you know, the media won't give any credit for anything. Trump, one of the biggest things I, I, I've heard for the last, you know, 10 years was the cost of insulin, right? The cost of insulin for diabetics was through the roof. And I agree, man, I, hate the drug companies. I think they're a bunch of vultures, but 
The U.S. government is complicit in that. And the U.S. government is complicit in that because of the rules they have. We don't have a, we don't have completely socialized healthcare. We don't have completely free market healthcare. We have this hybrid of you know socialized and privatized, and it's constantly a battle with each other. And dude, you think the politicians? You think the you know people in Congress aren't making money off this shit? I'm telling you right now, you're high. You're high AF. Trump signed that bill to lower insulin. Dude, now, and I know somebody, I know two people personally, their insulin bill a month went from $200 to $30 a month. Wow. $30 for insulin, right? That shit wasn't in the news. That was not in the news. And people always, you know, that's one of the biggest things. Bernie Sanders talks about it all the time. You know, the healthcare companies are making millions, <laughs> and the American people, and healthcare, you know, is a right. And but, dude, you think you think Bernie came out and was like that was a great thing that Trump did was get insulin costs down for people? Nope, motherfucking crickets. They, dude, that guy could pull kids out of a burning vehicle administer cpr to them and resuscitate them and save their life and people would charge it people would accuse him of being a pedophile <laughs> i'm telling you dude, it would absolutely happen and that, it's disgusting that's a nice deflection but uh it sounds to me like you and you and roger want gam gam to die because you won't get the vaccine and you just you're science deniers no man, I'm not Kumo. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna kill Gam Gam. Kumo's so, gonna kill Gam Gam because Kumo did kill Gam Gam. Yeah, with the COVID vaccine, I don't know. I, I uh, to answer by my own question, I threw you guys. It, you know, if they offered it to me, you know, at the at the uh, medical, Josh, jeez, Louise, man. So it's been the old Forester talking this whole time. That's great. That's great. So, no, you know, if, if the health unit here uh, said, hey, we're, you know, giving out flu or uh, COVID shots, I'd go get it. You know why? Because I'm sick of this bullshit. It's like I'm, I'm fucking sick of it. Hey, Luke, why are you walking around here without your mask? Bitch, because I have the COVID vaccine. Like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm so tired of this, man. I cannot. I literally can't do my job because of this COVID nonsense. In my opinion, I don't know this, but the organization I work for as a whole, the department, is starting to the gears are starting to grind It's starting to be metal on metal and things are starting to slow down more and more and more processes that used to take uh three or four days are now taking literally three or four weeks and that is you know that that's anecdotal i guess but things are starting to grind now and it's time to get the fuck back to work so that's my thing. I think it's a genius move uh, if if Trump is is going to if the administration leaked the fact that a vaccine might be out, it puts uh, puts the other side on their heels. If a vaccine does come out, I think that's you know it's a good thing. We need to get those uh, at risk populations uh, vaccinated. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about it. One last thing: debates or no, Roger. 12 days, I think, 11, yep. 12 days. Absolutely. Debates, they have to happen. They have to happen. And it's kind of crazy because I've been talking to a bunch of buddies about the debates. And I, I do believe this is make or break for both candidates. So historically, for the incumbent, the first debate, the, the incumbent generally loses that debate. 
because a lot now Trump's a lot different though. But most incumbent presidents, they've been the president. They're there, they've been there for three years, and it's just it's really hard to turn that up uh, during a, a, a debate and really get everybody fired up. And so they think they did well. And then when they come back and see the, you know, the, the after action report, they're like, uh, you actually didn't do so well on that. And, and the contender normally has to come out there and, and really just, hey, this is why I'm running for president. I think that's going to change a lot. But here's what I do think is going to happen. Or I don't know, I guess a couple of different options. The bar is set, like we've said for a while, the bar is set very low for Joe Biden. And I think most people have already decided. I just don't believe there are that many undecided voters out there. I think they already know. It's like, I'm a Trump supporter, uh, I'm a Biden supporter, or I'm not a Trump supporter, or I'm not a Biden supporter. So there's a big difference because right now all you're seeing is, uh, you know, orange man bad, everybody hates Trump, but nobody's given one reason to go vote for Biden at all. So I think what the Democratic base is looking for is if Joe Biden gets up there and can actually put together four or five coherent sentences together and not drool all over his tie, then Democrats will say that that could fire up his base. That could give him enough to actually win. You know, you take a state like uh, Arizona, that's purple, probably leaning a little blue. That could actually push a state like Arizona to being a, an actual blue state where you have those Democratic voters that like, eh, I don't like Trump. I may not necessarily get out and vote for Biden. I may just not vote because you got to remember during the 2016 election, there's only 56% turnout. Just over half of, of, of registered voters turned out to vote. So it wasn't a very high population. So I think Democrats are really, really sitting there waiting for this thing because if he comes out and he does a good job, and not even a good job, if he just doesn't drool on himself, that'll fire that base up to come out and vote for him. He comes out and does whatever he was doing with the chicken poop and uh, that stuff that Josh was playing and then planting the seeds and all that stuff. Uh, that could be the beginning of the end for him. I, I think that, I think that's where that could go. So I think debates do happen. I think they happen in person. I think the first one, if I'm not mistaken, is the one with Chris Wallace, uh, which should be a good one because he's generally pretty straightforward. He's generally a pretty hard hitter. Uh, I forget who the other, who the other two b- debates are with, but, uh, it will definitely be something a lot different than what we've seen with the softball questions that, uh, that were given to him during the town hall. So I don't know, Josh, what do you think? I mean, I'm still going with they're not going to let Joe Biden get on a debate stage with Trump in a live debate. I I just they're going to come up with there's going to be some excuse that they're going to keep him getting on a debate stage. It's going to be COVID-19. It's going to be Joe's not feeling well. It's going to be something because, you know, love him or hate him. Donald Trump knows how to get under people's skin. He is going to get under Joe Biden's skin in about 30 seconds, and Joe Biden is going to turn into a blubbering mess. He is going to turn in, you know, the thing, the thing. I don't know, you know, the thing, right? And it's it's just going to be a disaster uh, for for Joe Biden. I, I, I don't think the debates – I don't think the live debates happen. Uh, that's, uh, that's my prediction. And, uh, a couple other thoughts before you hand it over to Luke and, uh, before we close this thing out, um, real quick, it's POW MIA day. Um, so shout out to the POW MIA command out in Hawaii who, uh, those men and women out there spend their days sweating their asses off in, in, in the jungles of Southeast Asia and all over the world. Um, 
you know, trying to uh, trying to repatriate the remains of our fallen and our missing. So I can't think of a I can't think of an, a more honorable profession within the military than uh, than that right there. So uh, shout out to them for uh, for for all they do. Uh, shout out to my buddy who's not going to listen to this podcast because he said he doesn't listen to the political ones, <laughs> but uh, he he does listen to. Her. He does listen to our non-political ones. Uh, he lives up in uh, up in Fargo, so uh, so big shout out to him. Appreciate you uh, listening. And uh, hey, for the eight people in the last couple of days that uh, that bought the book Badass. from uh, from Bucky Calhoun and AJ Todd, hey, we really appreciate it. Really appreciate your support. We really appreciate your support and all secure. Uh, do us a favor, head over to their website, uh, allsecure.org. Take a look at Tom Satterley's book, uh, All Secure, and take a look at his wife's uh, Jen's book as well. It's a pre order on Amazon right now, but it's her perspective on you know the things that she's gone through and the experiences that she's had and, uh, you know, in, and being married to Tom and, and dealing with everything that comes with that. So, but, uh, yeah, man, other than that, I don't have, I don't have anything else, but Joe, Joe Biden does not see a live debate stage with Donald Trump. On your thing real quick and, and something before I turn it back over to Luke, everybody forgets what happened in, uh, you know, what was it, 2018? I think uh, we got back 200 soldiers from, from North Korea, right? That was done under President Trump's administration. Something mm. else that, yep. uh, again, yeah. Yeah. very yeah. little credit. And I, I remember even the media saying, well, do we really know those were Americans and this? Hey, motherfucker, you know what? They're coming back with a flag over the, oh, the casket. Fucking assholes. You know, I, I, that, that's, that's the side. I'll, I'll give them benefit of the doubt on that. So, sorry, Luke, I cut you off. Go ahead, brother. Yeah. Well, speaking of the well, okay. First, I'll address the the debate piece. I'm gonna side with Josh on this. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I'll say it again. I hope I'm wrong. I'm gonna side with Josh and say there will be no live face to face debates. Um, I just it's suicide. Even even if they uh, are in remote locations, it's still not gonna be a good look. And uh, again, a person is stupid, but people are smart. And I think that uh, voters, if if Joe debates Trump, it's it's gonna it's going to be a bad look. So that's my prediction still 11, 11, 12 days out. Quick shout out. Speaking of the POW MIA uh, command uh, buddy that listens to this, Scott, he did some work with them. He was in the uh, army medical. I think he did some work in Vietnam, Cambodia, maybe uh, back in the day, but Scott reached out to me and Scott, I know you're listening from now on, man, just post on the page, bro. You don't have to message me. <laughs> post on the page or get get a Twitter account. I think Scott got rid of his Facebook, but figure out a way to give us you know, some likes or something on our Facebook page. But Scott reached out to me, and he wants to do his own little Battle of the Bulge. And uh, starting uh, now, uh, so it's going to be 90 oh, days from now, he's uh, challenging himself to lose 20 pounds. So, Scott, we're going to need photos of that, your weight. Uh, when you start and then 90 days from now and meet your goal. And I will personally send you some uh, Culper's Canteen Cup, sw- Cup swag. And I encourage anybody else who wants to do that, man, just just let us know, man. We'll give you a shout out. And I mean, Josh and I feel better. We're glad we did it. And I think we're still on the on the wagon with staying in shape and stuff. And I'm sore as hell, man. I've been hitting the gym. I'm really sore. So, 
but it feels good. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Scott, and we'll be keeping track of that and uh, updating the uh, audience on his uh, progress, maybe get him on the show one of these days. All right. So for all of our listeners out there, you know, again, we say it every episode, but we truly mean it. Thanks for listening to us, uh, especially to take an hour, hour and a half, or two hours, or whatever the length is uh, out of your week to, to watch us or listen to us. It's, it's incredibly uh, humbling. Uh, as always, you know, big shout out to Carlton Zeus, carltonzeus.com. Uh, Check him out on Apple Music, some pretty badass music. And uh, before everybody keeps their, their canteen cups tightly secured and, and we kick it to the freemium content, I did find the Joe Rogan quote for you, so I'll end it on this before we start it. Uh, I fucked up on the podcast with Douglas Murray and said that people got arrested lighting fires in Portland. That turned out not to be true. I was very irresponsible, not looking into it before I repeated it. I read one story about a guy getting arrested for lighting fires, and then uh, he gets into it. It was really fucking stupid mistake. That won't happen again. I'm sorry. So basically, Joe Rogan just turned into a big pussy, and, and hopefully somebody will get that to him because Culper's Canteen Cup would love to be on the experience. So, uh, hey, for all you YouTube watchers out there, your freemium content starts now.